Hi all, you're listening to At The Beam, a medical education podcast where we discuss high-yield oncology with a focus in radiation oncology. We are Trudy and Josh, and thank you for listening. All right, hi everybody. Welcome back to another episode of At The Beam. This is Josh with uh, Trudy Wu. So today we're going to discuss anal cancer, which affects around 8,000 patients each year. Uh, just some quick hits before we start. Um, anal cancer is twice as common in females and frequently diagnosed in the sixth decade of life. Risk factors include any immunocompromised state, which would include HIV infection, long-term use of immunosuppressive medications, smoking, history of STDs, HPV, or receptive anal intercourse. In fact, more than 75% of cases are associated with HPV infection. And don't forget the high-risk sh- strains are 16, 18, 31, 33, and 35. Trudy, can you please go ahead and describe the anatomy of the anal canal? I would love to. Um, so I find the terminology confusing sometimes, so let's break it down. It all starts at the anal margin. So when you hear anal margin, think perianal skin, which extends around the anal verge. The anal verge is then the palpable junction between the internal and external sphincters, and this is where the squamous epithelium transitions from keratinized to non-keratinized. And then finally, the anal canal is an approximately four centimeter segment extending from the anal verge towards the rectum and stops at the dentate line. You may remember from medical school, the dentate line is important because mucosa changes from squamous epithelium to a columnar epithelium at this junction. And great job. So if we're thinking in terms of histology, we first start with keratinized squamous cell epithelium from the outside. We use the term keratinized, so think skin. And this goes to non-keratinized squamous uh, epithelium at the anal verge to the columnar mucosa at the dentate line. So Trudy, why do we care about the dentate line? The dentate line is an important landmark because nodal drainage is different. So below the dentate line, the path of drainage travels to the inguinal and femoral lymph nodes. Above the dentate line, drainage goes to the obturators, perirectal, and internal iliac lymph nodes, which, if you recall, is the pattern of drainage for rectal cancer. This is important to understand because it can influence our treatment volumes. Yeah, exactly. So carefully assessing tumor location on exam, endoscopy, and imaging is critical. So, Tree, what percentage of cases typically present with uh, node positivity? About a quarter to a third of patients will present with node positive disease. However, keep in mind that if you palpate lymph nodes on exam, that doesn't necessarily mean they're malignant, and oftentimes palpable lymphadenopathy is a sign of reactive hyperplasia. If you have any suspicious lymph nodes, we should probably obtain an FNA or biopsy. All right. So, uh, let's start with our case. So, Trudy, you're seeing a 65-year-old woman who's passionate about trees who noticed an acute on chronic rectal bleeding when she was at Burning Man. So her rectal bleeding has been ongoing for several months and she occasionally has pain with bowel movements. Uh, What are you going to focus on when interviewing the patient? I would, of course, start with the comprehensive history and fiscal, but focus on burden of symptoms, presence of incontinence, groin swelling, pap smear history, and sexual history with a low threshold to offer HIV testing if indicated. On my physical exam, I would perform a DRE as well as a pelvic exam and assess for inguinal lymphadenopathy. So her current symptoms are not incredibly burdensome. Her last pap exam was uh, what she says years ago, and she's currently monogamous with one partner. So on exam, you palpate a 3CM tumor within the anal canal. There is decent sphincter tone and no inguinal lymphadenopathy. 
uh, pelvic exam is performed without any significant findings, uh, what's your next step? I would obtain an anoscopy with biopsy of the mass and order labs and imaging. For labs, I'd want a CBC, CMP, CEA, and HIV testing. For imaging, I would like an MRI abdomen pelvis with contrast to best determine local extent of disease and then staging scans with either CT or PET-CT. Great. So her biopsy confirms a squamous cell carcinoma. An MRI of the abdomen and pelvis demonstrates a 3CM mass with less than 50% circumferential involvement. There's no suggestion of nodal or distant metastases. Can you please review staging and stage her patient? Sure. So T1 tumors are less than or equal to 2 centimeters. T2, 2 to 5 centimeters. T3, greater than 5 centimeters. And then T4 represents invasion into the vagina, urethra, or bladder. That is why doing a pelvic exam in these situations can be very important. The presence of N1 is subdivided into N1A, N1B, and N1C based off where the lymph node beds are located. N1A are inguinal, mesorectal, or internal iliac lymph nodes. N1B, external iliac lymph nodes. N1C includes both 1A and 1C lymph nodes. So for this patient with a three centimeter primary tumor and no suspicious lymph nodes on exam and imaging, she would be a clinical T2N0 stage two. Perfect. So I, I know you mentioned invasion into adjacent organs such as the vagina, urethra, or bladder automatically stages as a T4. What if the tumor invades into the perirectal skin, sphincter, or up into the rectum? Is that also considered a T4? No. So when you think of invasion to organs, think just bladder and vagina, which are distinct from the GI tract. Great. So this patient presented with stage two disease, which is the most common stage of disease of diagnosis. Um, let's talk about the general treatment paradigm for anal cancer. So one thing I remember from medical school is that anal cancer is one of the few select cancers where definitive chemo RT is commonly the primary treatment. So this was established in the 1970s uh, with the Norman Niagara regimen. Before the 1970s, patients received the abdominal perineal resection with a permanent col uh, colostomy. As you can imagine, this was uh, fairly morbid. The uh, NIGO trial used neoadjuvant radiation therapy to 30 grain and 15 fractions, along with uh, 5-FU and mitomycin C, which was then followed by an APR or an abdominal perineal resection. So before performing the APR, the patients on trial would get a post-treatment biopsy, and they're surprised to see that the five of the first six patients had negative biopsies, suggesting a pathologic complete response or a PCR. And due to these high pathologic complete response rates, the protocol was amended to mandate surgery only if the post-treatment biopsy turned positive. Greater than 80% on this trial achieved a PCR with 30 grade plus chemo and were able to avoid surgery. And in turn, this established definitive chemo RT as the gold standard for care. So Trudy, are there any other treatment options beside chemo RT for early stage anal cancer? Yeah, so generally patients with small T1 lesions, remember that's less than or equal to two centimeters, less than 40% circumferential involvement, favorable histology and no sphincter involvement can probably get away with a local excision alone if negative margins are achieved. Another option is just to omit the concurrent chemotherapy and treat with radiation alone for T1 in zero lesions. Yeah, that's great. So uh, there's some controversy regarding RT alone for T1 anal cancer, and we won't delve into those details here today. So Trudy, um, going back to the case, this patient has a T2 N0 anal cancer. I know we briefly discussed 30 gray in 15 fractions, but how would you treat this patient in the modern era? 
So I would treat the pelvic lymph nodes of 42 gray with SIB to the primary tumor to 50.4 gray in 28 fractions. This would be given concurrently with 5-FU and mitomycin C. 5-FU is given 1,000 milligrams per meter square per day on days 1 through 4, and then a second round on days 29 through 31. Mitomycin C's dose is 10 milligrams per meter squared bolus on the first day of each round of 5-FU, so days 1 and 29. Yeah, exactly. So uh, mitomycin C is a hypoxic cell radiosensitizer, and there's been several trials questioning whether mitomycin C can be omitted or replaced with cisplatin. However, the data continues to support the use of mitomycin C in anal cancer as an option. So we're treating 42 gray to the lymph node and 50.4 gray to the tumor. How are you going to simulate this patient? Yeah, so for listeners out there, note there are variable techniques to simulate patients for anal cancer. I would obtain a CT sim with IV contrast and place her supine in a vac log, frog-legged with arms on chest, and place a BB marker at the anal verge. Using data for her MRI fusion, if we had one, scope and digital rectal exam, I would then create my GTV primary. This would then be expanded 2.5 centimeters superior and inferiorly and 1.5 centimeters radially to form the CTV primary. For my elective nodal volumes, I would start the common iliac bifurcation and include the internal iliacs, external iliac, presacral, mesorectal, and inguinal lymph nodes, covering the inguinals all the way down to the inferior border of the lesser trochanter. PTV expansions can differ slightly, but I would add a one centimeter expansion pulling back at the skin in this situation. Yeah, sounds perfect. So your incredibly perfect dosimetrist puts together this beautiful VMAT plan. Uh, what constraints are you uh, going to be mindful of? Yeah, so aside from appropriate target coverage and controlled hotspots, the dose constraints most important to me are the small bowel V35 less than 150 cc's, V30 less than 200 cc's, and then the femoral heads, which I want to keep V40 less than 35% and V30 less than 50%. I also want to make sure that there aren't any hotspots by the external genitalia. All right, that sounds great. So you see her right before treatment starts, what RT-related toxicities are you going to counsel her on? So I counsel her on fatigue, dermatitis, pain, and a really big one is pain with bowel movements, diarrhea, urinary bother, and skin toxicity. During treatment, it's important to encourage good skin care and check her skin to assess the degree of desquamation and prescribe steroid cream as necessary. Also to kind of address the any anal pain that she has um, with treatment and recommend uh, supportive care. She may also experience nausea and vomiting and neutropenia from the chemotherapy. In the long term, I will discuss the risk of vaginal stenosis and importance of vaginal dilator use after the completion of chemoradiation. So she completes treatment and asks you when and how she'll know if she's cancer-free. So what do you tell her? Um, so we'll see her three months after treatment for exams, scope, and possibly a restaging PET-CT. The scope is the most important piece, and ideally this is performed by the same physician who initially scoped her at diagnosis. Her first restaging imaging will be informative to assess for clinical response. However, if there's some residual FDG uptake at the tumor, this doesn't mean that she's had recurrent or progressive disease. A radiologic response can take up to a year. She should be followed with history and physical exam every three to six months for five years. And in conjunction with this, she should also be getting an anoscopy about one to two times a year for the first three years. So your patient is uh, fairly anxious and wants to know about recurrence rates. Uh, what do you want to tell her? 
Again, tumor regression on imaging and exam can take some time, remember, up to a year. So I would tell her that about 30% of anal cancers will recur, and most commonly, these recur within the first two years after completing treatment. So consistent, continued follow-up is very important. If there is suspicion for disease recurrence down the line, which fingers crossed there isn't, we would want to obtain a biopsy first to confirm, restage, and then consider treatment options such as uh, salvage surgery with APR. All right, that's incredible. Thank you, Trudy. And uh, thank you for discussing this case with me today on ATB. And a huge thank you to Dr. Emma Holliday at MD Anderson for helping us review this script. You can find our show notes on our website at atthebeam.com. And remember to be well and trust, but always verify.